episode five of At Home With Us. I'm Melissa. And I'm Clive. And let's get into it. So what's been new with you this week? Uh, this week, I've learned the benefit of taking occasional breaks. I know I learned this benefit um, a couple of times a year. <laughs> And then I forget about it for a while, but maybe this time it will stick. And I've been trying the OMAD diet. The One meal a day. Yeah, and it's no big whoop. It's easy enough to do, so. Is this in conjunction with your intermittent fasting? So, so OMAD is a form of intermittent fasting. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you eat one meal continuously all day, or... No. One large meal and then you just starve the rest of the time. That's the definition of all Okay. <laughs> just it's one meal a day. I'm just clarifying for those who... It's one meal that. a day okay. and 20, um, up to 23 hours or 22 hours of fasting. Oh, because I could eat one meal a day for 22 hours and then fast for two. Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so and that's with me. Okay. Uh, not, not, nothing much in here. Same old, same old. I have been, uh, it's been very, very cold, um, and I've been dressing the dog, so I've been making a lot of uh, doggy outfits, um, I'm no good at it, I'm really an amateur, but our dog doesn't seem to mind modeling these outfits for me, so she's a trooper. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what topic are we getting into? Getting stuck into Well, last week we did Superman, um, so I think it's only just fair to do Batman this week. Okay. Um, some background on Batman. Uh, so if you didn't listen to our previous stuff, then this is just a recap. So Superman is sort of the oldest comic book hero. And after making somebody who... Um, is this all-powerful uh, being they decided to go with somebody who uses his wits and is actually a detective so it's interesting the, the storyline has been uh, probably because of the animated series and different things that it's all about Batman beating up people or fighting but it's actually that Batman is like the world's best detective yeah. So that's the character we are getting stuck into. And when we look at Batman, we'll start with the movie universe. Uh, and with the movie universe, uh, we're sticking with stuff that is sort of within our timeline. So we are not doing the 1960 movie with the... <laughs> that was a spin-off from the... TV series mm -hmm. that ran. We'll go, we'll go strictly from the 80s. Yeah. Around. So, um, first we're going to look at or discuss the 1989 Batman. Yeah. So, that one was, was it directed by Tim Burton? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> no, I'm not going first. Oh, okay. 
So what are the you in, know in your opinion? No, no, no. <laughs> no, you're going to ask me. I'm not no, no, okay, never mind. <laughs> what, what do you think was the overall story that they were trying to tell with the 1989 Batman? I think that they were using it as a great opportunity to reintroduce Batman and to, to fully form his, his existence in, in, in the 80s. Because it was, it was very much a period piece. Like everything in the, it was very eighties, nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was Batman's very limited origin story, mm-hmm. um, and then introduction to his his arch nemesis, the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, so also Joker's origin story, and then we all had to see how Bruce was a problem ladies' man who couldn't keep his identity secret. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I don't I don't know past an introduction what you would be looking for there in that first story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For me um the first Batman there was a lot of acting in that Batman. And I think part of the story they were trying to bring across was even though Bruce Wayne had been Batman, I can't tell how long he'd been doing the Batman thing. Um, Bruce Wayne was having... I'm going to split it into Bruce Wayne and Batman challenges. So Bruce Wayne was having a problem being Batman and trying to figure out whether being Batman was his life or with and so Bruce Wayne shouldn't have a life and if Bruce Wayne has a life how does that life affect Batman's life yeah so he couldn't he was trying to figure out those two and the thing on the other side was Batman apparently was stamping his mark to put fear into um, the criminals in Gotham Um, I'll say later why I think that but Obviously, when you make some kind of push against evil, evil pushes back. Mm-hmm. And so the form that evil pushed back in was the Joker character that, uh, that was created based on maybe a mistake of Batman's. Yeah. Or so in that one, he, he created the, the, the circumstances that, that Joker was born in. Sort of, yeah. yeah. So, um, Batman created his enemy in the first one, mm-hmm. and Bruce Wayne was having an internal conflict about his life versus Batman's life. Yeah. So, that's what I think the story they were trying to bring across mm-hmm. in that was. Um, and the way they put it out on screen. How do you think it helped? Like, how well did it bring across the story? Hmm. I think you've got to take a step back. And I know we said we're not going to discuss Batman before this one. But it was very, it was a very light-hearted Batman before. So with this Batman, although it's not as dark as the Batman to come, or as the, like the Frank Miller comic Batman, the Bruiser Batman, 
this was still more complex back then because he was kind of he wasn't dealing with like the darkness and the and the and the nightmares and stuff of losing his parents and the whole bat situation but he was asking himself some questions about his existence and the way it is what was your question again <laughs> um you asked did you ask what what did the acting and other elements of the movie help or disrupt what did you ask <laughs> i said we we discussed what the story was yeah did they bring that across well oh did, did were they able to bring it across yeah i think they did um it was still a bit campy oh that's what i wanted to say although it was more serious than what what people had access to before Mm-hmm. It was still very light-hearted. Um, How do you mean light-hearted? It was it was comicky. It was like silly and campy and, but not not as campy as it was. So they did try to make it a bit more serious, but it was. I don't find I didn't find um, Michael Keaton's Batman campy. You didn't. Like his humor was so tiny compared to, if if you had to put percentages, I'd say that he was. Comical, ten mm-hmm. percent of the movie, mm-hmm. and you're serious ninety percent of the movie. Okay, I'm not really talking about Batman though. I'm talking about the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. So what elements were campy? That whole eighties, you know, with the with the music and the boom boxes coming into the room, and it was just it was a silly. You know when Joker enters and. Okay, so when the Joker character came in, yeah, there was the silliness, yes. but there wasn't the silliness from Batman. And Bruce Wayne, the silliness only came from Joker's side. Well, yeah, it, it, the support characters and and the whole atmosphere of the world in which Batman was in. It's not that dark Gotham. So then, wait. So wait. So if that was the case, that helped. That meant that they brought the story across. They brought across the seriousness with which. Uh, Bruce Wayne was carrying himself and Batman. Yeah. And the flippancy of the crime in Gotham. Yeah. Because its darkness was its flippancy. They didn't care that they walked down the street and released gas and shot people. Yeah. I guess so. So the, they uh, maybe they used the campiness so that the deaths that were done by the baddies didn't look so bad yeah so it was actually it's not realistic yes but it was still pretty dark it was dark the number of people who were killed if you if you just (laughs) take a snapshot um of a scene and and like look at what look at the expression on the actors faces and the people's faces and then look at what actually happened shooting acid onto someone's face to remake that yeah it's very um i don't know it's it's it is dark but it's almost dismissively dark. So just okay. Uh, yeah. So then, uh, what parts of the movie do you think, going back to the story they were trying to tell, mm-hmm. what parts of the movie helped tell the story, and what parts of the movie like steered away from telling the story? Mm, I'm trying to recall. I I liked the scene with Vicky Vale 
um, when he when Bruce Wayne invited Vicky Vale over to eat with him. I liked um, how they used this those scenes to to humanize Bruce. Um, so you you got a sense of of this life of this lonely bachelor that has his Alfred who's his family member and 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 only employee um and he, people expect him to do these eccentric billionaire things mm. and he's just kind of this guy who eats in the kitchen with his butler normally okay. so i i enjoyed that they used that to focus who bruce is when he's not batman it's it's endearing and saddening at the same time, but also hopeful because it means that he's sentimental as well, in a sense. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, you know, the bad guy scenes, I kind of just wait for them to end. <laughs> I, I watch them, but I'm just watching them to like get on with it. Let's just see what the terrible thing is that you've done, and let's see how Batman swoops in and turns uh, in his in his cow in one swoop movement. You know. Okay. Um. So I don't know. You care? Uh, you, you tell us about <laughs> no. what you think there. <laughs> uh, my thing is I. I think I think overall they did well because the movie felt like a well-paced kind of a play mm -hmm. so it felt theatrical and so because of that They probably also cut the movie pretty well. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember what that guy's name is. And I don't need to remember his name because he's sort of a throwaway character. Mm -hmm. The reporter that Vicky Vale was working with. Mm -hmm. Because obviously he's not essential to the story. He was interested in the bad story. People were making fun of him about being interested in saying that there's a bat in Gotham. Mm -hmm. And he was there, but he wasn't the main guy. Mm -hmm. So we followed this character sort of in semi in the beginning mm -hmm. and then we were like it was like the slingshot move where we they could forget about him. him. Like a, they used him like a what do you call that thing when you stitch scenes together? Transition. And so because of that I think that they played it very well. Mm. And it wasn't the movie wasn't Batman heavy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't uh, Joker heavy, mm. so you you got all the pieces. That's what I'm saying, though. And it wasn't. Uh, it served as a good introduction. And but no, but I think that the format is excellent because if you set the bar at being about action, mm -hmm. you can't tell the story mm -hmm. because people only want to do action and leading into the 80s um well into the 90s coming from the 80s into the 90s with the uh, van dams and schwarzeneggers mm, the action era 
you'd be heavily tempted to make the super action movie. Yeah. Because everybody wanted that. Yeah. And they went the other way of, of showing why he's a detective. Yeah. And how he figured out which products were poisoning the people. He's about tools and gadgets. And so he's not just like the fighting is just something that he does because it's something you have to do. Yeah. And but that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. So I think all those scenes tie, uh, put that together quite well in telling his story. Mm-hmm. Um, from the villain side, I think the one weird scene for me was the death of the Joker. And it wasn't weird because the Joker died. It was just... Uh, It's like I didn't when that happened because I remember having watched that scene um, in 89 or 90 when I saw this movie for the first time at a drive-in and I didn't know how to feel about the Joker dying because I didn't really hate him as a character yeah. in the movie and then when he died and they have the thing of them all looking down at him and yes he's got that bag in his pocket that's making the laughing noise but it was just a weird like i I felt weird like i couldn't like i wasn't excited that he was dead and i wasn't unhappy he was dead i was just like still about it and like it was like a very solemn end to the movie yeah and then i was like okay this happened and even when I watch it now, I don't know if it's because I had uh, a misconception from the animated series or something else that the Joker must live because these two are supposed to fight each other. Yeah. And so it felt like a weird... Like, how can it be your arch nemesis when he's, he's gone? Yeah, so I'm sure he was building his own universe. But the only thing that felt weird for me in that movie was this guy was... The Joker's dead. Yeah. But then, I mean, it, it is DC. He, he may have popped up somewhere. No, 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 no. <laughs> but for just in this movie in isolation, if they'd, yeah. made, if they'd made no other ones afterwards, it was just a weird. That was the only weird moment for me in that movie. Yeah. Was like, okay. how am I supposed to feel the Joker died? Yeah. So yeah, maybe gosh. maybe that's the art of it. The guy that made Idris's ends and everything else. Oh, okay. It was his little art ending. Yeah. Um, so, um, the thing for me is because I watched it as a sub 10 year old, all those years ago, for me at that age and for any child at that age, it would have been a fantastical movie. Yeah. Very bright colors, loud noises. Yes. And because we watched it at a drive-in, that screen is much bigger than a cinema screen mm-hmm. and so when there's that opening scene of batman doing his little entrance and standing there as the gas is coming off the or the heat whatever the smoke's coming off the roof of that building and then he opens up his wings mm-hmm. it was like wow it was, everything was wow yeah, it's so weird i can close my eyes and see that on the driving screen right now so <laughs> because he was such a big character and to transition from this big character into these 
oh, this, he's just a normal guy and he's having a conversation and he mm. collects stuff. And, you know, like, because yeah. he's got that whatever room and, oh, look at all the gadgets. Oh, no. Even though, by today's standards, his little TV setup over there is quite comical. <laughs> but, but it was fancy. Good playback yeah, and rewind the video. Yeah. But everything was fantastic when I looked at it then. Mm. So when I watch it now, um, so I'm sure it was a PG-13 movie, but uh, I don't know if it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a PG-13 movie, but I think that when it comes to comic book movies, everybody has their entry point into the world mm-hmm. of that comic book world. And you don't know what the entry point would be for someone. And it's very difficult if you haven't been hooked onto it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still can't get hooked onto Star Wars. And it's not because I'm anti-Star Wars. I really try. But I think I tried it at an advanced age. Had I tried it at a younger age, yeah. I would probably like plugged into it a lot easier. Because the world and everything would have been fantastic to me now looking at it for the first time when I was older, I was like, mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... No magic. Yeah. So my thinking is that um, maybe to watch it present day, you'd need to be not even a teenager because a teenager expects more. I think you'd need to be between the ages of 7 and 10 and watch this 1980s Batman to actually enjoy it because anybody older than that if they're watching it for the first time it's going to be too abstract and like weird for them to get into it so it's a difficult one but (laughs) that's how I'd say you need to look at it yeah I think I agree although a seven-year-old is probably watching it on his iPad and when it gets to that uh, scene with all the TVs stacked one on top of another, <laughs> it's going to it's going to be thrilling. Um, yeah. Okay. What's your thoughts? Fun? Well, I... I, I just s- say that. I said I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a thought. That's like, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I just think it's a bit... It's a bit much. Like, maybe at the time... The style of acting... Batman is fine. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about every, everybody else. Alfred and Batman are fine. Everybody else? Batman or Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is Batman. I'm sorry to tell you this. Like, this is no. um, they're, both, they're two separate characters. Yeah. But both of them are fine. Plus Alfred is fine. Everyone else. The acting style is a bit theatrical. It's a bit stagey. It's... it's, it's it's a style, alright. So by today's standards, we no longer do that type of acting. We're not used to seeing that on screen. Mm-hmm. So it seems silly to us. But I'm going to be... So remember Batman the Animated Series? Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you watch the Harley Quinn series now, yeah. animated series, Yeah. It's an updated equivalent of that series. That's true, but Harley's it's, funny. No, it's exactly the same. Okay, but there's no swearing in the other one. Right, <laughs> because by today's standards, people are saying like swearing is normal. Yeah. 
and back then it wasn't normal. So yeah. we're going with what the norm is. Okay. But what I'm saying is exactly the same series. That's fine. But what I'm saying is that the style of acting that is in that movie is so not that's what, what I'm we saying. have come to expect yes. from movie. What? Yes. yes. But that's why I made the younger age group. Yes. Because that younger age group could equate that movie to an animated style okay. of presentation. Yeah. Anyone older would look for realism in movies. Yeah, sure. And be like, oh no, they don't do that. Yeah. Oh, look at that explosion. Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness, is that a model? Mm -hmm. They crashed the model into that building? Ah, oh, Batman does the turn on the roof. That's not even Batman, that's an animation. Oh my goodness. So how should we approach reviewing it today? I think you need to look at it as being a... Not... A... What do they call these things now? Do they call them a uh, live action mm -hmm. version of the comic book? Okay. So this you go into it expecting to see this comic is a, come to life. No. This is a live action version of the animated series. Oh, okay. Not of the comic. Because the comics oh. have that um, realism in it yeah. that they're allowed to have. Yeah. But when something goes on to TV, they have all of those rules and guidelines that they have to abide by mm -hmm. to be family friendly and whatever. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like a comic to me. It felt like Batman the animated series. So like they did when they took that first um, Batman TV series and they made it into a movie. Oh, okay, yeah. This, this like they took Batman the animated series and made yeah. it into a movie. I, I, yeah, that, that, that sits well with me, what you just said now. Like now... If I had to watch that movie with that in mind, I'd be I'd be really plugged in, because that would make sense. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Well, yeah, uh, that that's what I think it is. Maybe he did something completely crazy, well, but to me, that's what he did. If it's real, it's real, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> that Joker felt like the Joker from the animated series. Yeah. Well, Nick Jack Nicholson's Joker. Um, and just as a side note, uh -huh. when we eventually get to the Dark Knight, what is it? When we get the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises, mm -hmm. not the Dark Knight Returns, Batman then the Dark Knight begins, Rises. Yeah. Oh, Batman Begins. Yeah. The first one's the Dark Knight, okay. No. So, <laughs> the second one's the Dark Knight. Yeah. When you get to the Dark Knight, I'm not going to do the whole who did it, who wore it better in terms of Jokers. Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson fitted a certain period in time mm -hmm. and it followed on from that other guy that did Batman pre uh, Joker previously. Mm -hmm. So he blended that previous guy that did it with the pajama pants Batman mm -hmm. and then the animated series of Joker. Mm -hmm. He merged the two for the live action version of Joker. Yeah. And so that's just what it is. Yeah. There's no comparisons with another version. Yeah, we're not going to compare Jokers. Jokers, yeah. Jokers are like standalone, limited edition items. Yes, and they play off Let's the Batman. Leave them at the, as they are. Yeah. And they play off the Batman at the time. Exactly, exactly. Because that's their purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Which no. is why I finally said why he had to die. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, up until today is the first time I've actually said it, but I didn't know what was bothering me all the time. And while you were speaking and I was thinking about it, I was like, oh. No. That was a weird, it's still a weird time in the movie for me. Um, 
So, uh, we get to our uh, homemade favorite part, palatability. You can give it a 0 to 4. 0 is not palatable. Won't watch it again. One. Number 1 is? Low palatability. There has to be absolutely nothing else to watch for me to watch this again. And it would have to be with someone else. And even then, I'd probably only watch it as background, um, like noise, until something else comes up that's better to watch. Okay, or well, number two, average palatability. If there's nothing else to watch, I'd watch this on my own as background noise. Number three is medium palatability. I could watch it a few times over, um, but over a number of years, I'd keep it in like my circulation, but it, was not my, it would not be my go-to. Or four, highly palatable, go into my collection and re-watch with enthusiasm. It's a go-to movie. Okay. So? What would you give it? I would give it... I would give it a one. <laughs> okay. I would give it a one. Alright. Yeah. Now, I have a realistic version of this because since 1989... I can tell you the number of times I've watched this movie. So yeah, no, really. That's why I give it to one. Because <laughs> I know you'll put it on anyway. <laughs> no, I watched it in 1989. And since then, I've watched the movie four times. No. Yes, I All of those times were with me then? Yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, there was one other time without you. And then five times. Yes. And that's because it was on that version of TV some years later on a tiny box screen. Uh, no. So, yeah. all in all, I've watched this movie six times in my life. Yeah. Since 1989. So, because of that, I'd have to give it a two. Because okay. that's honestly what I've actually done with the movie. And I, yeah, I can't even give a little story as to why. Because now it's become background noise. Mm -hmm. And I've watched it with you and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's in there. And I think that, to be fair, earlier on, it was number three. Mm -hmm. And at this stage, because there was something else that sort of fitted the slot of that movie feeling, yeah, it, it it's, taken, its, it's taken its place. Yeah. So I think that's the only fair way I could assess it. Sorry, Batman. 1989. Okay. So, what we're going to look at now, we'll dive, do a deep dive into, mm -hmm. is Batman Returns, mm -hmm. the movie in 1992. Mm -hmm. Off the top, you go. Um, Batman Returns. Remind me again, this is the one with Catwoman and Penguin. Yeah, so, what's the story? Okay, so Batman What's the theme story? Oh, the theme. Um, <laughs> That's what I mean by story. I think it's about injustice. This theme is about injustice and 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 uh -huh. and the underdog and um, yeah, it's about it's about women's rights and. Do you think that this Batman, just because you mentioned that, is something yeah. I thought about it? Do you think this Batman is less about Batman and more about the villains? Oh yes, for sure. I in fact I don't even think. The other Batman movies are about Batman as much. The first one was. 
Yes, that, that's what I'm saying. It was a solid introduction. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was about injustice. It was about uh, giving people a chance uh, and confronting your own um, prejudices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it was also interesting to see that it serves as an opportunity for Bruce uh, and Batman uh to decide what type of woman they actually like do okay we're gonna get into that just put a, you said they're two separate characters that's what i'm saying put they, a so, yeah. put a pin into that yeah okay um yeah i see that the other thing i'd say is What you saying making that statement? Both Bruce and Batman are looking for companions, mm-hmm. which is weird. Mm-hmm. So Batman who wants to work alone is looking for a companion, mm-hmm. and Bruce who believes he needs to live alone to be Batman is looking for a companion. Yeah. Then about the underdog, yeah. Um, the Penguin story. And what's interesting is. This is the first big bad. The next time we'll get a big bad that is like this, that has money and is influential in this way, would be a um and he's not really a crime boss, although he's doing underhanded things. Mm-hmm. That guy is more of a Lex character. So the next time Batman in the movie universe meets a partial villain like this, mm-hmm. who actually is a villain, mm-hmm. um, Catwoman's boss, mm-hmm. uh, Selina Kyle's boss, will only be in Batman v Superman, where Lex is part of their story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was also a weird one for me, that they... There's two villains, but there's actually two and a half villains. Well, there's like a puppeteer who's trying to have the scenes to set up all the dominoes and let them fall. Is it also about what is the full potential or like discovering the full potential of yourself? Like, who does Batman want to be? Mm-hmm. Who does Selina Kyle want to be now that she's gotten this other, this new lease on life? Yeah. Who does Penguin actually want to be with all of these? Yeah, it's about identity. Yeah. Like, like facing up to your... Like, who are you? Yeah. Because Batman's identity gets messed up in terms of his public persona. Yeah. Because of the little stunt Penguin pulls. It, it was remedied very quickly. Yeah. But that... The identity of those characters were was, I think, a bigger piece of the story as well. Yeah. And then... Um, Did all the pieces that they have bring across this thing well? I know it does feel like a good... I will say that in terms of sequels, mm-hmm. this is one of the better versions of sequels. I was going to say, had. out of this era of Batman movies, this is my favorite one. I feel like this is the one that is... That is... If, it stands up 
today kind of if you if you look at the the themes of it and oh, okay. and the style of acting mm-hmm. uh you could watch this now and you could be like okay this is a good movie but then so but yeah what i was thinking was there's been many batman uh follow-ons and whatever mm. but i think that Batman and Batman Returns is the best example even in the Nolan verse mm. Batman and Batman Returns is the best thing of how you show and it's like the original standard of doing a sequel mm-hmm. whereas Superman and Superman Superman the movie and Superman 2 mm-hmm. that was one continuous movie and then they cut it into two movies mm. this was two separate movies yeah I know but they did well in continuing that whole story arc. Mm. So I did like that. Yeah. So for me, it, the, the, the pieces that they had in place uh, yeah, I enjoyed brought that it they, together. I well. enjoyed that they told it in almost in separate pieces. Like everybody, there were all these, these little miniature stories going mm. uh, independently. And then that they came together. Yes. And then they involved Batman. Yes. But they, yeah, they allowed them all to build up on their own. Yeah. Which is interesting. And that's why I think that these early movies were so well written. And they did it in, in, in a specific amount of time. Yeah. Without compromising the telling of the story. Yeah. Because it was what... But these were pretty long though. These were over two hours. Were they? We'll have to check the run oh. times. But I think... Um, that's interesting. These were not. I was thinking it maybe had something to do with. Do you think they were two and a half hour movies? I don't know. It it's almost like it was written. With, I'm not talking about the background, uh, the sets and stuff like that, because it was a lot of it was city based. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was almost written like a play, like with separate scenes, and. Yes. Yeah. Did you find the right time? Um. It's very interesting. If it was over two hours. Felt like it was over two hours. <laughs> um. Does it mean that you can't tell a Batman story in less than two hours? I don't know. Um, yeah, well, we'll have to look at that. Um, so that, um, the pieces that I think were well told, or oh, just two hours, six minutes, just over two hours, yeah, all of them, even Batman Returns. And the first Batman. No, I wouldn't know that. I only just googled this one. <laughs> so just oh, here we go. We have two hours, six minutes for Batman. Batman Forever is two hours, two minutes. Batman, okay, and then we're going to the two hours, 20 minutes. The Nolan series. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Batman needs two hours. Yes. At least. Yeah. So if you add a Superman, you need three hours. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think that um, the acting was excellent and I think that that's the strong 
aspect. The, the writing and the acting was excellent for the first two Batman movies. Yeah. So, and they tied together well. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the same writers, actors and director. Mm-hmm. So, um, they chose their cast very well. Yeah, and Michelle Pfeiffer will always be my favourite Catwoman. And I don't think it's about so much about Danny DeVito's stature. But at the time, you're like, yeah, you was oh, in the 20s, yeah, whatever. But when you watch it, he's yeah, actually no, he's, a very good actor. He's a good actor. He really disgusts me in this movie. Like, oh, <laughs> bring, you can smell him. Like, you can smell the fish when you, when you, yes. <laughs> you look at him. And he says, I want to do something with, oh, that, no, with my flipper. It's very he's disgusting. Like, oh, very, my goodness. No, no, no. Yeah. He played that character very, very well. He's, he's very convincing. When he says to that guy, it... You know, none of the shiny things down there. The guy says to him, and he says, Well, at least my nose isn't gushing blood. <laughs> and oh, then no, he puts no. his nose and he's bleeding. Yeah. And you're like, uh. But you see, that movie was dark too. Yes. But you felt the darkness and you accepted it. Yeah. They, they didn't just gloss over it, they gave you a moment <laughs> to take it in. And then you were like, Wow, that was bad. Then you move on. Yeah, that's, yeah. So something else. Mm. But that's what I also liked is when you watch the first Batman, you got a feel for the story and whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you got to the second one, you couldn't compare it to the first one. No, it was Because strange. it was two completely different things. It was very different. Even though yeah. they were interlocked. Yeah. So it was, I liked that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I won't go The sequel felt like a grown-up version of the original. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that's the benefit, because I don't know how many years they were apart. But Three. But it felt like it grew a little bit with yeah. Um. So, but, yeah, coming to today, how old do I think... You know, I, I still think... For this one, I, yeah. th- I think you could go... like for the, uh, So, for the first Batman... I said you needed to be like between seven and ten years old. Yeah. This one, I think. Teenager. With this one, I think you could be a teenager, but you mustn't be thirteen yet. You must have grown with the previous one, so like two years older. So between between ten and thirteen, but not thirty. Mm. To appreciate this. Not all the layers in it, but. But no, I the mean general story you can you can follow along, yeah. Well, not all the layers for you for it to keep your concentration and you won't be playing with your phone. Oh, <laughs> not many movies. Just enough, so it's just enough <laughs> for you to like get an idea of what the movie was about. Mm-hmm. Um, what part of the movie do I think did not feed into the movie? I know it was part of the story, but, and there was probably no other way to do it. But the penguin's introduction, um, you know, when you the guy in the station and said, What, you throw away your garbage is mm-hmm. my whatever. Mm-hmm. And that baby being stolen and then going into the sewer and then him rising out. I don't know what it is. I'm not. A great fan of that particular part but I get that there was no other way to introduce him mm. but for how well Danny DeVito was acting 
Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a very poor introduction. It was simple mm-hmm. and effective, and I'm sure it fitted everything else. But just for me, I just didn't like how the penguin was introduced, and like it somehow didn't sit well. But I think that that was the point of it. Is that that you as the audience, you get to bre- like you get to appreciate. The, the despicable character that he... Because you feel that sense of revulsion. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not upset by him. I'm saying uh, Danny DeVito is such a good actor. Yes. And the penguin was portrayed so well. Yes. I felt like that little scene of his introduction where he's holding the baby and he comes up. Yeah. Didn't hold up against all the other acting and all the other time and the pacing and everything that was put into it. Okay. Like the way it was delivered on screen. Like maybe it was the afterthought. Like, I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if it was a difficult thing for them to figure out how he's introduced. Mm-hmm. But I think they introduced him in the way that they expected him to continue. Because he he, he, he got assistance to orchestrate mm. something where he seems like the noble... No, that's what I'm saying. Person. The rest of the stuff made sense yeah. for me. Everything else about the penguin made sense. Yeah. That little scene of the jester coming through, grabbing the baby, spinning down into the... Oh, Mr. Penguin. Maybe my problem is that everything else seemed oh, acted... That, that seemed like it was conceived in the previous movie. Because it didn't quite fit the style so, of this and then, movie. And after he rose up, it was like a completely different character. Yeah. Like, just that little scene was weird for me. Yeah, no, I forgot about that whole, oh no, it's the penguin. <laughs> yeah, that, that was... They were acting it out. Yeah. But <laughs> it was just weird. Yeah. So I felt like it didn't do the introduction of his character justice. Mm-hmm. Because he did an excellent job on his own of carrying his character. Yeah. But yeah, stuff happens. <laughs> Anything for you that was like a, a weird piece in the movie? Yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of innuendo in, in this movie. It's very offensive if you watch it now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, there's things about it that you're like, okay, no, those, those are great. That, you know, it still stands up today. You can watch it today comfortably. But then there's a, just a lot of inappropriate things said by some of the characters. I can't say them because, obviously... You mean Penguin was a very silly character? Yeah, it was very <laughs> gross. Um, but also predominantly him. Yeah, the the way that the I've forgotten his his name the the character played by Christopher Walken mm-hmm. the boss. Um, he just the way that that females were treated in the workplace then, and that it was expected, and <laughs> even even you know like the when Bruce comes into the uh, to the office to see him, and and he says to I'm so sorry if my secretary was here, I'd have her do something and then he thought that she that he'd killed her and mm. she pitches up for work and how they react to her being herself, her new self, speaking up for herself and whatnot. Mm. It it's kind of like a culture shock because nowadays but it's very strange. I'm I'm gonna go out to an alum, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um I'm not gonna ask forgiveness from the millennials that only know the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. In the first Batman, mm-hmm. 
1989. Yeah. Harvey Dent was an African American. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Vicky Vale oh, yes. was a very strong female. Mm-hmm. And apparently Batman and Bruce Wayne like strong females. Then in um, Batman Returns, uh, she was trying to work with the system, Selina Kyle. Then mm-hmm. she got thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. And then she came back as a strong female. Mm-hmm. Had Bruce met the previous Vicky Vale, that wouldn't have the previous Selina Kyle, you wouldn't have been attracted to her. No. But when he saw the new Selina Kyle, he was attracted to her. Yes. So, um, I think that DC always tried to do their bit too. Well, I, th- I think, I don't know if it's DC or Burton, was all the characters were strong characters, mm-hmm. even if they were playing a weak character. Yeah. They weren't being all feeble or whatever. Yeah. So Christopher Walken's character was being his brutish or dismissive or whatever, self selfish, mm-hmm. and he did it. Selena's character pushed back, yeah, and it was some. It was embraced by the audience and it was enjoyed. So, um, I'm not going to go into my thing about the final scene with. That they made this throwaway scene with females in Endgame. At oh, the end, please, we don't want to hear about that now. When they're all together. Even even the females are like, what what is happening here? No, this is pushing back our agenda by like 10 years. I think that it was nice that the characters were strong because they were strong. Yeah. And we had a strong female character. Yeah. We had the strong villain. Yeah. We had some degree of diversity in these characters from the outset and they played well off Batman and off Bruce Wayne yes so I just think that it made it it, it made the story stronger not to have um, undersold all of these personalities okay yeah so that like strengthened it for me um, okay palatability rating um, just so we go through it again mm-hmm. Zero, not palatable, won't watch again. Mm-hmm. One, low palatability. Nothing else to watch, I'd watch it again. But it would have to be with someone else and I'd probably have this on as background noise. And if something else came on, I'd change channels. Um, two, average palatability. If there's nothing else to watch, I'd, I'd watch it on my own, but it would be background noise. Three, medium palatability, could rewatch a few times over a number of years, would keep in circulation, not my go-to. Four, highly palatable, going to my collection and rewatch with enthusiasm, a go-to movie. I would give this movie a three. And you gave the introductory movie a one? Yes. Okay, so you give this a three? Yes. Okay. I gave the introductory one a two, mm-hmm. Batman. Mm-hmm. I give this one a two. Okay, very consistent there. Because I've probably watched this movie as many times as I watched the first Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because. <laughs> yeah, I've really been watching Batman. So, yeah. So that's it for Batman Returns.
we are now going on to the movie that Michael Keaton did not do, uh -huh. but should have done, and felt like it was sort of part of that other universe, but something else. Yeah, the one with the Kilmer. Valkyma, Kilmer, Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. What's the, the main goings-on about this? Where's Batman at? Where's Bruce Wayne at? Where is um, the villains at? Um, What's your thoughts? You take this one. <laughs> Why? Uh, because it's not Batman Returns, it's Batman Forever. Oh, sorry. Batman <laughs> Forever. Oh, goodness. Yeah. This is the one with the Riddler and Two-Face. Okay. Uh, and the introduction to Robin. Yes. What is this one about? It is about Batman facing up to the truth that he actually doesn't want to be alone detective. Not deep down inside. Um, he has place in his heart for a small bird. Okay. Um... Also, the whole thing about orphans, about not feeling like you belong somehow. Um, Just remember that line. Okay. Because in Batman vs. Superman, yeah. Lex says something to Holly's character uh -huh. about... Um, the thing of orphan boys. Yeah. And if you think about it, Lex is an orphan. Yeah. Clark is an orphan. Yeah. Kalal is an orphan. Yes. And Bruce is an orphan. Yes. And those are the three of the main characters there. Anyway. And also, uh, Diana, Diana is technically an orphan. Yeah. Anyway. Flash is half an orphan. Anyway. <laughs> Going to half orphan. Flash was orphaned because his mother died and his father was locked up. So it flashes and is yeah. in a way often. Yeah, exactly. Um, the DC. Okay, so what we were going on about uh, not feeling... What's the story of it? Yeah. Um, no, I'm doing themes. You yeah. said themes. All right. And then there's the whole theme about undying love and trying to prolong time. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's the concept of family. Riddler... I don't know what's up there. Yeah, it's also feeling like like you don't belong and wanting to feel appreciated. Okay. Hmm. I think that for the first time in this one, Batman is considering... Sorry. Bruce Wayne is considering whether Batman can make a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. Or Bruce Wayne can make a big impact. Mm. Whether he still needs Batman to curb what is going on, mm -hmm. or if the city is ready for a different approach. Yeah. And whether he is the person to be, whether and whether he is the right person to execute either. Mm -hmm. Should he execute as Bruce Wayne? Or executed all? Should he execute as Batman or executed all? Mm. 
So he's having a bit of um, closure for his life. And actually, this previously he believed he had to be Batman. Mm-hmm. And now he's got enough distance and like working through his issues. Because uh, previously he carried on like Batman was imposed on him. Mm-hmm. And now he has the option to choose or not choose Batman. Yeah. So that's his... That's uh, what I think is the, the story they're trying to bring across in terms of uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman for this one. Mm-hmm. They always have to put in a female. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I think, a sexist thing about bringing in the female. Mm. It's just that he's the James Bond of DC Comics. Oh, so he's got to have his I don't, th- I don't think it's that. I think that in an artistic way, they try to... Um, it's almost like the evolution of Bruce. <laughs> try- as, as seen through the eyes of the various women. They're trying to <laughs> they try to consolidate the the fandom around Batman into a female person. Okay. So they're distilling it like everyone's screaming for Batman when he comes down. Uh-huh. But they distill it into this one strong female character that he can play off because he can't deal with the whole city. Okay. Of people being excited about him. So they put it into something that he would be attracted to, but it's also technically he's in he's falling for a fan kind okay. of a thing. Yeah. He's not feeling for falling for just a regular person. So it's a groupie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's it's a clearer way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping. Maybe I'm over reading into it to make it not seem uh, sexist. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. That's the one part. The other thing is, um, it's interesting. The only character in the whole movie who maintained their character was Two Face. Mm-hmm. All the other characters were questioning whether they should or shouldn't. Yeah, Two Face was was weird that they're just that kind of. He was like a sticker of a villain. And that they just like stuck him in there uh, because they didn't do any. How long has he been doing this? What was the catalyst for his, uh, you know, for his change? Uh, he he literally changed from a black man in the first movie to a white man in this movie. <laughs> and you're just like, what's going on? Um, well, they changed Batman. They yeah, so they very heavily relied on. The, on the audience's ability to to reason that maybe Harvey who was the a good guy in the first movie has become a bad guy in this movie mm-hmm. yeah so anyway so t- to me that detracted for me I didn't uh, like that Two-Face was the only one who was the character that he was uh, the Riddler Edward Nygma mm-hmm. was was deciding on who he wanted to be mm-hmm. he committed an act and he felt a way about doing that act mm-hmm. and he was um, driven strangely that's the interesting thing as somebody the interesting thing that they did in a way which I didn't see then which I sort of see now and because it is art is is somebody evil before they have the power or does the power make them evil? 
So Edward Nigma wanted to do this thing, like it was ah, manipulate brain waves and um, you know, beam it into make things more exciting for people. Yeah. And then when he strapped that guy into the chair mm-hmm. and he actually tested it on a live person, mm-hmm. he was like, Whoa, my brain's powered by yours, I can become more powerful. So he was actually he had a problem before he got the power. Yeah, every person does. No, well, <laughs> it's I'm called like greed. It no, just manifests. But you get way. what I'm saying. Yeah. They they did it in a very clever way. Yeah. That that made him seem like he was this eccentric genius that just had this amazing idea and he wanted to better the lives of mundane humans and make it more exciting for them. And then when when he yeah. And then somehow. When it could benefit him, then he chose himself. <laughs> so. I liked that part of his discovery, but um, so there was that story with him. Then there was the story of Dick Grayson becoming an older orphan, mm. and um, how is he going to deal with that loss and revenge mm-hmm. under the shadow of the master of loss and revenge? Mm-hmm. That like has a whole cave yeah. to deal with his revenge. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's like the Freud of revenge. Then yeah. And the whole fandom thing of what are you in love with and when when can you grow out of it? Mm-hmm. So when Chase decides that actually she doesn't want a relationship with Batman, she wants a relationship with Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So that whole thing about like fandom maturing. Yeah. What happens? On a side note, I find it a little bit creepy the way Bruce allows the female counterpart that he's busy with as Bruce and as Batman to believe that they're two separate people and then kind of mentally sit back and watch how this all unfolds. And it's, it's creepy to me. I think this is a very good example of who Batman is. Because this is what he does. He does something creepy for the benefit of, of whatever the situation is. So he he psychologically evaluates them without them knowing. Well, okay. All right. But it's a damaged person okay. doing the assessment. Keep, uh, remember that. Keep a pin in that. We're going to come, we'll cycle back to that. Okay. Do the actors and everything about the movie bring across the story well? Mm, I think that Chris O'Donnell probably learned how to act on this movie. It, it is a bit... He, he, yeah, he guns the engine a little too many times there. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah. I think that's a problem though when you, when you take older actors and ask them to play younger characters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they've forgotten how to be young and, and, and how angry a young person will be and how that will come across um, you know in a natural way so they you know they overact a little bit but I really enjoy Alfred throughout the whole um, series of movies I think he's very consistent and yeah well, Bruce keeps changing now so in 
this time I was still young enough to be um, to enjoy the movie as the movie. Mm-hmm. And well, you been about twelve years old then. I won't say what my age was. Uh huh. I'm not gonna sit and do that calculation. But um, what I do think was compared to the first time I watched it and the few times I watched after that is um, the thing that like harmed the movie for me watching it then as well was I felt the colors were weird mm-hmm. like I, th- I had to get past the color scheme to watch the movie yeah and it's probably my um, like I didn't maybe I lost something or I didn't get something mm-hmm. but I felt like the color scheme of the movie threw me off in trying like I had to put that out of my mind yeah in terms of the neons and all of that that they had in the movie and I, I liked in to some extent the new Batmobile mm-hmm. but I felt like all the colors on the Batmobile was not a for me when I watched it I was like if it's supposed to be stealthy yeah why is this one attracting so much attention yeah because the villains cause attract less attention than the Batmobile <laughs> so I didn't know like that threw me a little bit it's like we're making it to a police <laughs> so yeah so for me that like took away from it a bit mm. but I don't know what they were trying to go for like to me the car didn't fit in with the story. Yeah. Like, for me, the car is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a nice tool, but it's a tool for you to get the job done, and the car adapts to what it needs to get done. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the color scheme and everything of the car didn't fit in with the jobs he needed to get done. Mm. So, this is a weird thing to say. I know you got to have. I know you got to have the car with Batman. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that part, all of that colors and those lights took away from it for me oh. the thing that i did enjoy was the lighting schemes and that that they used for edward enigma like those greens and that mm-hmm. that's the only time i felt like the neon lighting and everything they were trying to do fitted in yeah i think that suited him but not the rest of the movie yeah and so um whenever they had his thing were trying to show like the brain waves that are getting sucked in with the the green squiggly lines and everything mm-hmm. like that made sense for me but any other time there those red colors, I was like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. When he arrives and there's a neon, like, pink-red color in the back, I'm like, what's up with you guys? Mm. What's, what are you trying to accomplish here? It was almost like Batman was in a, the dark. Batman who lives in the dark mm-hmm. was in a well-lit environment all the time when he came out. <laughs> there were always lights either on his car or in the environment, so you might as well have walked during the daytime. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a weird thing that took away from the story for me. Yeah, I don't really, I didn't, I know you enjoy Jim Carrey's uh, 90s style of acting. And for me, it's a bit hard to swallow. Um, I think that that detracts from my enjoyment of the movie a little bit. What? Just his over-the-top, obvious slapstick comedy, you know. I don't like slapstick. Honestly, <laughs> in the whole movie, mm-hmm. 
I think that Jim Carrey's I Riddler know, I know. was the most believable character. I know you've said he rescued that movie. No, no, he was the only one who acted. Val Kimmer was just there and doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed his quiet Batman. Chris O'Donnell was... Didn't know... Wasn't mm-hmm. really... I don't think he portrayed Dick Grayson well. He, he almost felt like a TV actor that was coming onto <laughs> the big screen and shouting a lot. Shouting and screaming. Yeah, okay, he was the Stephen Amell <laughs> of the 90s. Let's just leave that one there. Uh, um, uh, hey, yeah, leave it there. Leave you, it there. You're going to upset the air of us now. I don't know why you said that word. Anyway. What? So... Alfred has been Alfred for like five movies. So uh-huh. let's leave Alfred out. Yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman as Chase. Was, was, was whatever that was. Uh-huh. Commissioner Gordon was himself. And Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face like really played into the craziness of his character and was consistent. Uh-huh. So that's why I feel like Jim Carrey did the only acting in the movie. Whether it was over the top or weird or whatever. Uh-huh. If he wasn't there, uh-huh. that movie would be less palatable. I could have done without all those scenes. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's get to palatable. No, there's something else. I feel like. The cockiness and acceptance that Dick Grayson had when he discovered that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Mm-hmm. He he had a very quick turnaround. <laughs> like, yeah, no, we can do this together. But he was used to working in a team. No, not about that. The way he accepted that, oh, you're Batman. Put, I think it was put, a relief. Put this down next to it. Because if he's being, if he is being told not to pursue his anger uh, and want revenge, and he feels that the person telling him that knows not of what they speak, and then he finds out that that person is actually Batman tearing up the streets at night looking for villains, he is going to be very on board with saying, okay, we can do this together. No, but that's the thing. The cockiness of... Um, Batman's whole whole thing, stick, mm-hmm. is he instills fear in criminals. Yes. Right. Yes. So you happen to chat to this very nice man with this groomed hair in mm-hmm. a suit. Yeah. And you find out that his part-time job is beating up people. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to quote uh, what Morgan Freeman's character says in um, the Dark Knight. Returns, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and you just passively like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> you get what I mean? I think sometimes when you speak to people, you just know. <laughs> okay. Mm. So, um, I'm going to give my palatability score. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, zero, not palatable, won't watch again. Mm-hmm. One low palatability, absolutely nothing else to watch for me again. Um, two average palatability, three medium palatability, could rewatch. 
four highly palatable will go into my collection and rewatch with enthusiasm. I give it a palatability score of one. If there's nothing else to watch for me, again, I'd probably have it on as background noise till something else pops up to watch. Yeah, I'd give it, I, I concur with that. I'd give it a one. Oh, okay. Let's have a look at the next one. This one is Batman Forever. No, Batman and Robin. Sorry. Batman and Robin. Okay. This is the one with Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, Batgirl, and the Clooney Batman. What are the themes, Clap? I think this one, they... Let me not say what happened or didn't happen yeah let me just say what it is mm-hmm. that it's heavily into the thing of family mm-hmm. so poison ivy believes plants are a family mm-hmm. uh freeze wants to cure his wife yeah uh bruce's family is alfred alfred is not well mm-hmm. um bad girl what is her name oh I know the actress's name, Alicia Silverstone, but I can't remember the name of the character she played. Barbara. Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara, uh, she was Barbara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. She came in, it was a family thing, she has her own issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick Grayson. Getting yeah, comfortable. Is getting comfortable and it was about family. And so... For me, it's all about the the tensions and stuff you have to deal with in either blended family, traditional, non-traditional family. Mm. So that's at the root of it. That's what I think is acceptance is going on there mm. with family. Your thoughts? I uh, I fully concur. I I think also that tension about uh, the misunderstanding about families. Um, when when Alfred's niece comes onto the scene and has this idea of of how Bruce and uh, uh, would view her uncle being mm-hmm. an employee versus how her uncle views being the butler mm-hmm. to a very you know she has no idea of the bonds that they've created and. I think that's, I don't know, I think even today people don't really understand the, the closeness of the, of the master-servant relationship, you know? Easy. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know the word... Uh... Yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't mean that, yeah, no, but anyway, we should think about what we say, and that's not a good word, and you're correct about that, but the employee-employer relationship and... What does it mean when those titles are stripped away? Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think that for this movie in isolation, because I remember arriving at the cinema late and the opening scene had already happened 
And so they were on the ice weirdly. Their shoes had things for them to ski on the ice. So that's sort of where I came in. I think that the action scenes yeah. harmed the telling of the story. Yeah, I fully agree. It's probably a weird thing to say. I think they were going for they were going for trendiness rather than appropriateness. So the previous one, uh, Batman Forever, that was already teetering on going off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And this one just did a swan dive over the cliff. Mm. So for me, the, the action scenes, I don't know if they felt like their cast couldn't act well. Mm-hmm. And so they wrote a story for a cast that would be more about the action than about the acting. Mm-hmm. But then they got George Clooney, who was an actor, but they didn't give him an actor's role. Even Valkyma is an established actor, and they didn't give him a lot of acting to do mm. as you know Bruce Wayne. So I'm not sure what is going on here. So I just feel like the action stuff, and again, the weird colors um, were very distracting for me mm. for that story. And the camera angles. Like they did a lot of sideways shoots when they're coming down the corridor. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it, but I, it, it felt like it didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it was a bit odd. Like when it popped up, it got your attention, and then as it turned, you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? And then like, oh. Yeah, it didn't lead anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, this one was uh, a tough one, eh? I didn't, I didn't enjoy the, you know, the motorbike chases and, and all of that underground stuff. I mean, I, I understood its place. Um, it was to show the audience that these kids had skills. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I did, I did like how they tied what was going on with Mr. Freeze. It, it, I liked it in a corny way. Because otherwise I wouldn't have known how to put the two together. But... That, that Mr. Freeze's wife was suffering from the same illness that that Alfred was suffering from that was incurable and as yeah. as bad as the governor's acting was, right? <laughs> you know what to get from uh, him. I know, no, yeah. You can't fault him. The the strain and he was obviously given that kind of direction. He was yeah. an action movie guy. Yeah. Say one line at a time. Um, I actually think he does quite well with his comedic timing. What I'll say is the best acting in the movie yeah, we'll was Mr. Freeze and yeah. he had the best story the whole way through. Yeah. Because And he had the best outcome. And you can see the motivation that he you can see why he's doing the stuff. Yeah. You get a little bit of his background story of what happened to him and I think that he's actually the core of the movie. Yeah. And had they had they actually started off the movie with um instead of starting off with how Poison Ivy became Poison Ivy, because they did a little bit of a background thing for her in Bane, mm. and then it went wherever it went. But they started off with five years earlier, yeah, yeah. Mr. Freeze and him being normal and acting normal and having this loving relationship with his wife, and then all of a sudden they're like at a party or something and she falls. Yeah. And she must be at a party that the Waynes are hosting. So Bruce Wayne has met Freeze before. Yeah. Um, 
and so he's like was funding him or something and they have that interaction and then they're at the pot and his wife suddenly falls to the ground yeah and then you don't see from you don't hear from freeze again yeah until he pops up again oh that would make a completely different movie and so but with heart yes yeah so if they focused on the acting and they made freeze the heart of the movie mm-hmm. that would have been its own unfortunately it would have probably been the same director and the same horrible lighting but it would have, mm-hmm. it would have given it a different feel i understand they're making that little origin thing with poison ivy but i felt like freeze was a better bit because he was there through the whole movie and at the end you had his little line of take two of these and call me in the morning mm. so yeah what made strangely what made the movie watchable for me mm-hmm. was freeze yeah i agree with that i didn't enjoy um Uma Thurman's. i liked her uh the way she looked i liked her costume and i liked her makeup and she's very statuesque and yes that. i don't think I they, they used her to a full potential i, don't in, I didn't, didn't enjoy her portrayal of this character yeah because I don't know. I feel that Poison Ivy isn't that fickle and that silly and, just, you know, that femme fatale. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah. It's very silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Palatability, again. Not palatable. Zero. Mm-hmm. Won't watch again. Mm-hmm. Number one. Mm-hmm. Pal- low palatability. Uh, nothing else to watch. You'd watch it, but you'd probably flip the channel. Um, two average palatability, nothing else to watch. I'd watch it on my own background noise. Three medium palatability, could rewatch a few times over a number of years. Um, four highly palatable, would go into my collection and rewatch with enthusiasm. I give this a one. Um, I wish there was a figure between zero and one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd give it. Honestly, the reason I watched it again was to watch it with you so we could have watched the whole series again. Mm-hmm. Out of happily being... I was happier having the memory of only what I saw in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Because I knew if I watched it again... You'd be disappointed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, that shook us out. So yeah, let's, let's, let's leave it at a one because there isn't anything in between. Yeah. It's one of those things. Okay. <laughs> Um, now let's venture into the part of the world that the millennials call the noughties no <laughs> the Batman doesn't kill era oh yes I don't know where he's, he's he, got he, this from his number one rule remember no who gave him that rule right so let's go to he may not kill directly but <laughs> he just doesn't save Batman begins <coughs> So here we have Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Directed by Christopher Nolan. What's the theme? The theme is self-torture about things that you cannot change. Getting to know yourself, getting to know all about you. <laughs> it's very late, guys. I'm very tired. Um, behold the dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Don't snow yet. <laughs> Be a good dog. Oh, 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 we that boring. Yeah. Come here. <laughs> we can't be that boring. Disappeared. Um. Um. I think. 
we're getting a lengthy introduction to Batman. Yeah, this is serious Batman. This is not the jokey, dancey, nonsense Batman. This is a serious Batman. So we get a lengthy introduction to Batman. Actually, this is to Bruce Wayne in the first part of the movie. Well, Batman Gotham. only, yeah, to Gotham, to what creates Batman. The well, circumstances. the thing, the thing, the thing you need to understand with this movie is what is, so the theme is what is the Gotham? Uh-huh. Gotham has a personality in this movie. Uh-huh. So, it's so yeah, Gotham is an entity in what, all of these movies. What, what is the Gotham that created Bruce? Uh-huh. And why does Bruce and Batman want to protect Gotham? Because it's his home. It's all he knows. No, we're not answering that. Oh. I'm saying that's that's what the story is for me. Yeah. Is what is Gotham mm-hmm. and what is the Batman? What is Bruce and the Batman? Yeah. Why? Why? Why, why do they want to? Why do they want to protect Gotham? Yeah. So yeah, that's how I see this first one. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, yeah. You, yeah, okay. okay. No, I agree, with, I agree with those two things. It sums up everything I would have thought about it. Yeah. I think it's a very good psychological profile of who Bruce is and why Bruce is. And the relationships that he has before he becomes Batman. Before he, he puts the mask on and you see what's broken underneath mm-hmm. before it gets covered up. Mm. So was the acting and everything on point for bringing across that story? Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. I can't fault anybody in this movie. I can. What is it? I don't really like Katie Holmes. I think for me, <laughs> Katie Holmes acted well in Dawson's Creek. Uh-huh. And maybe because I have that mental picture of her, uh-huh. I just see her as that character from Dawson's Creek in uh-huh. other movies. Okay. Like, when you see James Van Der Beek, he's just Dawson all the time. Because when they cast people in those TV series, uh-huh. they're taking you raw as you are, because they don't want to pay you all the money, they don't know whether the series is going to make it or not. Okay. And so, you just amplify that one thing, you're not actually playing a character, you're just yourself on screen. I don't agree with you. So, I didn't see, it's just an older face. Yeah, but no. I still saw a character from I d- I didn't from Dawson's Creek. I saw similarities because it's obviously the actress and her personality coming through. I'm no, not no. saying it's Joey. Don't but don't make a Dawson's Creek comparison. No, <laughs> you just make a separate comparison. Yeah, no, I think that I think that they needed they needed that vulnerability and also like the degree of being fed up with somebody and like you 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 allow them. Um, certain leeway yeah <laughs> you allow them certain leeway uh, because you have a history with them and you know what's going on with them but then 
it's almost like I, I just I feel like they, they, they picked her for a vulnerability. But I don't think she brought to the cross. Can I can I be weird? Right? <laughs> Way past that. I believe uh, what's her name? Matthew Jolano. No, there was on Dawson's Creek as well. Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams yes. would have been a better Rachel. Because if you saw how she played that character in Venom, yeah. that is the character that they wanted the Rachel character to be in that universe. Yeah. And I don't believe Katie Holmes can play that character, and I don't believe that Gyllenhaal can play that character. But I do believe that... Um, Maybe she wasn't available. Michelle Williams... <laughs> can play that character yeah past, yeah I, I could i could see that yeah i, could I just don't know if they didn't want to put somebody in there that was too close to being like a michelle pfeiffer mm-hmm. and they're like no 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 trying to save that or something but um i think that she would have been a better actress to play the character but i just yeah that didn't presuming they only had Dawson's script yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's about choosing from better Dawson's script then yes. The right. only other show that's like <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay. yeah. so that's that's my uh, two cents on that. So for me, what took it away from what 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 took away from the movie for me mm-hmm. was uh Katie Holmes. Oh shame. Okay. I I can't I don't have nothing to say on this because I enjoyed the entire movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, how old would you have to be to enjoy this movie? Very old. For what age group is it? Not for children. So, 13 and above? No. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yes, to, to, to basically understand what is happening. Like at a very, at a very um, foundational level, I think, you can see. I think for a Batman movie, you need to be young enough yeah. to be in awe of Batman. Yeah. But you need to be old enough to... To really fully understand the movie. Well, you need to at least get his motivation. Yeah. And then enjoy the special I feel I feel that kids would be able to look at the... What, 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 when you say kids, what age are you talking about? Give me an age range. Talking about anything under 15, between the ages of, of 5 and 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or, or 5 and 17. 16. 5 and 16. I think that they'd be able to... Look at the screen and see, ah, oh, that's Batman. Oh, Batman's doing this, Batman's doing that. But they wouldn't be able to appreciate why Batman is doing that, why Batman is doing this. And they'd also be bored by the... Um, no, but then, with, you know, if you're going with the length in that, so what you're saying is that an 11 or 12 and up can enjoy this movie. I think that, yes, if they, if they are fans, and they have some background. Remember, everyone needs an introductory point. I don't understand. So, if, if you were going to watch Batman Begins for the first time, yeah. what age do you need to be? I would say upwards of 11 or 12. Okay. Alright. I don't think this movie is for kids. I don't think that they would appreciate it. I think it's too long. Okay. Yeah. You need to define it though. Kids is very broad. Kids below 11. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Uh, any highlights for you in this movie? Standout, enjoyable stuff? I really enjoyed how Batman got serious. Um, and I, I liked that they brought in the League of Shadows uh, connection. Mm-hmm. That's, it makes sense to me that Batman becomes this terrifying, very fast, very quiet, very nimble thing, mm-hmm. having been trained. Because I don't know where else it would come from. You would be a fumbling mess in that big outfit with those big gadgets. So I'm going to be naughty yeah. and say that Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. built on the 1989 Batman by realizing that he needs to focus less on the action and more on the story mm-hmm. when he wants to introduce a character. Yeah. Because that's what the 1989 Batman did well. Yeah. And that's how he approached the Batman Begins. Yeah. So... Again, if we had to give this palatability rating... Uh, Wait, I'm not finished. Oh. I also liked how they tied in bad guys. They made it a very complex matter. Because Gotham is bad. Gotham Wait. is a terrible, terrible, okay. septic city. Right. Before we praise the movie too much... Yes. I'm just going to be... Uh, what's it? Not devil's advocate. Yeah. Let me just say I'm going to be otherwise. Yeah. You're going to be otherwise while I'm talking. No, I, I want to get... You want get, to wait till I'm finished? No, I want to get context for what you're saying. Because okay. you, you haven't given context. Maybe, uh, maybe I would get there. No, you, you're not <laughs> going to get there. <laughs> All right. um, the 1989 Batman fitted the era it was in. Mm-hmm. The 1992 Batman fitted the era it was in. Mm-hmm. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were totally outside the era that they were in. Okay. They were like in another universe. Mm-hmm. All the things that you found nice about Batman Begins, do you think it was because it was grounded in present day semi? For sure. Definitely. I only really enjoy something if I could see, if if I could imagine that it would be real. Like I could... I could pick up my phone and be like, oh, okay, there's another article. Batman crashed a car on the way to, you know. <laughs> it, but it's real. It, it's like, you know. Okay. I can be, but anyway, I really enjoyed how they made the villain's motivation complex. Because Gotham is a toxic city and it needs to be removed because it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And this person, he's rationale was that this needs to be done these we are the people that do these things mm-hmm. we make the hard choices yeah so that good things can happen thereafter and batman was like it was really complex it was like do i save the city because it's the right thing to do and it's what i know or do i let them do their do their work because i also understand where they're coming from and his decision about making it's, it's like when you love a person that is not good for you and you make the decision to stay with that person even though that you, you know they're toxic because you need to work through stuff with them. So that's his, that's his relationship with Gotham. Okay. And anyway, you were saying something. 
No, no, I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Based on that, I think that... Like we said in the beginning, the story that they were trying to tell about um, that Gotham is the character and we're dealing with how Bruce Wayne and Batman feel about Gotham. Mm -hmm. Because, like you're saying, um, Gotham is the engine that runs Bruce's um, subconscious. Mm. So he's almost part of the nervous system of that city. Yes. And him going through to live his life to understand the underworld, he actually reinforced that um, thing that you he, he, he went so hard to understand it and he never became one of them because he never stole because he only stole from Wayne Enterprise so that's how damaged he is is that he fell in love with the pain of the city yeah and so comfort to him <laughs> and so his love of the pain of well, falling in love with the pain of the city, he believed that Batman, in some way, could be a bomb or a cure. Yeah. So Batman would be the white blood cells that are injected into the system. Yeah. And... You go and fight all, all the invaders. Somehow will help the city to fight back. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. But keep it in-house. Right. Yeah. Because he's the only one who understands it, so he believes he could... Because he's gained all these different perspectives, he's the only one who could do an effective job of helping the city. Mm. Because the next step was to completely eradicate them. Mm. Give them no chance to do any reformation. So he understood that what those people were saying was probably the right step. Like he was going to be the last line of defense before that happened. Yeah. So... I do enjoy the League of Shadows story and everything, and uh, there was that epic ending. But I think that um, in this version, it was excellent for them to have the League of Shadows like they did. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not... Let me leave it at, yeah, they did a solid job of of sticking to their story and they delivered that uh, well. Mm -hmm. it, it came across in an understandable way. Mm -hmm. So, how would you rate it? Three. Uh, no. <laughs> Just in case somebody comes in and they're only hearing this part. Um, Go back to the previous episodes. <laughs> uh, um, so... Uh, our rating system is zero is not palatable, I won't watch again. One is low palatability, there has to be absolutely nothing else to watch for me to watch again and would have to be with someone else. Um, two, average palatability, nothing else to watch, I'd watch it on my own as background noise. Three, medium palatability, could rewatch a few times and uh, keep in circulation. Four, highly palatable, my go-to. Three? You give it a three. Mm -hmm. I give it a two. Okay. Okay. So that was Batman Begins. 
And the ever interesting one we're going to now. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. What's this about? This one is. What is it about? What is it about? So, in the wake of almost getting obliterated, Gotham, as the League of Shadows says, uh, limps along. Mm hmm. And because of having this knight, Batman, mm -hmm. the mob is losing the power it used to have. And what Batman thought would happen has happened. The mob has less control over the city than they did before. And they can't figure out a way to get it back. So what they're doing is just adjusting to the new normal of, yes, there's Batman, but um, how do we keep our businesses and everything going? Because they're used to the old way. Yeah, but that's... So... That's... That, so like, what's the theme of it? It's so that, for me, is the story, is that the city is hobbling along, because the first part was about Gotham anyway, mm -hmm. what you said. So this is that uh, Gotham is in recovery, knowing that they were almost wiped out. They're getting some kind of foundation under their footing, mm -hmm. under them. And um, in small ways, they're fighting back yeah, to keep their city going. Because previously, people wouldn't have, they would just gone along with it because they didn't see any way. Yeah, no. Yeah. And... So it's about, it's about a hope. It's about a glimmer of hope. A new hope. Yeah. Um, but there's a new character that comes in that wants to disrupt this thinking because they feel that that's enjoyable to disrupt the thinking. Who's that? The Joker. So and, and why is he doing all this stuff? So um, <laughs> that, that's what I would say the story is about, is that a city is returning from the ashes of nearly dying and they're trying to find a way forward. And in this way forward, Batman is providing them with hope. Mm -hmm. And Joker is providing them with crazy. And that hope is going to be tested. Mm -hmm. This new hope that they have is about to be tested by this guy who is going to come in and disrupt in the form of the Joker. Just for the sake of disruption. To show Batman well, well, the hopes that he has. That's, that's, that we're going to get to all of that. Oh. So, do you think that the way this whole movie is structured and paced gets to show you that he has these people in the city, they have got a hope, they have got a direction, and this new guy that's come along uh -huh. in the form of Batman uh -huh. is helping them along and they're feeling encouraged and motivated. And yeah, I definitely think that, that the story um, depicts all of that and more. 
Um, I do think that it's a bit long, this movie, though. I, I, I did lose concentration in bits of it, so... I think that I think that we we in the other one a lot of the the scenes that were that didn't have like acting in them were necessary to create an understanding. The this one I don't know, it was just for the sake of lengthening the movie. I I do um I understand that every movie that's created you have to make it so that if someone's if that's the first time someone's watching the movie and they're not part of the series mm-hmm. they have enough background and can move forward with it mm-hmm. but again I think that some of the action sequences were fantastic mm. But they were unnecessary. Yeah, that's what I mean. And they could have taken out that additional action mm. because the acting and storyline of the movie was solid enough to keep the movie going. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. Um, because you said everything was good, what... Um, What takes away? What scenes take away? Like, uh, where is the additional action? Um, there was an element that they tried to bring in of serious humor with the Joker. Yeah. So they brought, they brought that in in a different way. Um, they did do it well. It My was, favorite okay. line was, I like this job, I like it, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, what else is there? That, 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 what do that, you think that. about that scene where he says, hit me, I want you to, and Batman comes off his bike? I don't like the scene, mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. but I understand what the scene is doing. What is it doing? It's supposed to be a moment where it's showing you those two characters. That even in the midst yes. of Batman's... Ang- uh, yeah, Batman's Both of them are fully in control all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah. There's no horribly bad stuff. I just felt a lot of the action was unnecessary. Like... That whole giant chase scene and everything, I know that to make it more feel more realistic with the um, going down into the tunnels. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm going to say something silly now. I liked his driving around mm-hmm. and pinning that stuff and then parking off and then the truck flipping. Mm-hmm. But had they had something else, I wouldn't have missed that scene. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have missed the scene where the helicopter got caught in the crosswires. Mm -hmm. Because they could have just used the fire and that on the ground to redirect that truck underground. Because the the truck can't fly. So, it's just stuff like that. Unnecessary action. Yes, but yeah. 
I enjoyed the scene of the two little boys playing uh, in the car and then the actual explosion happening. Um, I think that was funny, but also unnecessary. Um, mm -hmm. But then I also enjoyed when, when the Batmobile or the Bat, whatever you called it, got totaled and then the Bat cycle came Bat cycle out. Came out. <laughs> yeah, um, that was that was a good scene. Yeah, at the, I think maybe the reason for the timing was they wanted to build so many characters in pieces. So they wanted to show you who Harvey Dent was. Yeah. They wanted to show you where Rachel was now. Mm -hmm. they, they wanted to focus you on the mayor. They wanted to focus you on um, where's Commissioner Gordon now. Mm. They wanted to show and you... And his relationship with his family. Yes, they wanted to show you Bruce Wayne and... Alfred's relationship and how that has changed and Bruce Wayne and, and Lucius. Uh, Bru yeah, and Bruce Wayne and Rachel's relationship and how that has changed. They want to show you how Batman's relationship in with the city has changed in the way he does his work. Mm. They wanted to show you Gotham police and what they are dealing with. They wanted to show you and the corruption. The corruption in the underground and how that's been dealt with. And but then the whole setup. So having all of that and then throwing in this disruptive force of the Joker. Yeah. So it was a lot of pieces. Very that layered movie. Yeah. So in terms of palatability, again, we have our four number rating system. Zero, not palatable. Won't watch again. One, low palatability. There's absolutely nothing else for me to watch, I'd watch it. Two, average palatability. Nothing else to watch, I'd watch, but it'll be background noise. Three, medium palatability, could rewatch a few times over a number of years. Would keep in circulation, but not my go-to. Four, highly palatable. Would watch with enthusiasm as my go-to. Give it a two. I mean, if I'm sitting in a hotel room and it's on, it's on the cable TV, I'll watch it. Yeah, interesting. My number's also a two because I'm... We have no number between a two and a three, so I'll I'll give it a two. Okay. The next one. Oh. <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. That's what's, the, what's the theme and story behind this one? It's the evolution of Bruce and the evolution of Batman. And the evolution of Batman's relationship with Gotham and with and Bruce with everyone else in his life. Um, and then it's the end. Eventually. It's the end of Batman. For now. <laughs> so if um if the first Batman if if the Dark Knight, uh, sorry, if Batman Begins could be a new hope, and then um, uh, the, Dark the, the Dark Knight could be like hope restored, yeah. because they get frazzled, and then hope is restored between Bruce and the city, they don't pull the trigger to kill each other, and stuff like that. Yeah. He's got new hope in Gordon, and in the city's potential. Mm-hmm. 
I would call this testing of that hope. This is the actual test of the hope, not the Joker. Yeah. So this is like a fragile hope. Yeah. And yes, Batman's still part of the nervous system of the city. And in this movie, like the city refuses to die for some reason, Batman also <laughs> refuses to die. Um, the city was broken by the events of the Joker. Mm -hmm. And so was Batman. Mm -hmm. was broken because he's limp and he's uh, knee brace and his back brace um, so those for me are that and then it's about yeah but this one is like the, the, it's about hope. revenge and it's Fra well for me I would say a fragile hope in a new dawn so in the first one it was a, it was a deserved destruction that was coming their way in the second one, it was a distraction for the sense of being, let's see wh whether you guys will tear each other apart like rats. Mm -hmm. And then this one is, the, he, they came there because, ultimately because of revenge. The, it wasn't the revenge. There was a layer of revenge. Yeah, it was a layer of revenge. But it was actually just to finish the work of the League of Shadows. Well, yeah. That should have been done. Yeah. So the story just came full circle. Yeah. It circled back to that thing that he forgot about. Okay. That Gotham needs to be destroyed. Well, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed this movie. And the reason I enjoyed the movie was... Bane. <laughs> the portrayal of Bane... And also the, yeah, Batman is starring, he was going to come work his way back, you know, he's Batman. Mm. But Bane carried the movie. If Bane wasn't Bane, if Bane wasn't portrayed in the way he was, that yeah. would have been a very Like this weak is an moment. incarnation of Bane, which yes. is very amusing. I'm, I'm going to say something controversial. Mm -hmm. If in The Dark Knight Rises, somebody else played Joker... Mm -hmm. It would have still been that movie. Yeah. But if in this movie somebody else played Bane, it wouldn't be the movie that it is. Yeah. Tom Hardy did a good job. And so, for me, that was the big thing about this. I get how they portrayed Selena Kyle in this movie. And um, if... This was my first time watching a Batman movie. Mm -hmm. It was my introduction. I'd be okay with it because of the strength of Bane. Mm -hmm. But I felt that as um, cocky and sort of capable as uh, Selina Kyle was, in this incarnation of Selina Kyle, she was scared. Yeah, she wasn't... Uh... And she wasn't new at it, so she she was a Selena who had been doing it for a while. But she was a scared Selena. Whereas she was scared for a reason. Yes, whereas the other one was fresh and brassy and new. No, she died uh, eight yeah, of the nine lives. Also, that in that version, no, no. there was that supernatural type of well, thing happening. So that's why I'm saying for so this one, just a, I didn't like the scared Selena. Yeah. I preferred... 
her in the scenes where she was the strongest Selena. Mm. I will say the best scene for me played by Selena was the scene where she gave over the fingerprints to that guy, including the thumb. And then she has that scene where she's just helped shoot everybody. And then she goes on the ground and she screams. Oh, yes. And then they help her out. And then she gets outside and straightens herself up and walks out. To me, that wasn't a scared character. That was a strong character. Yeah. And so those are the scenes that I enjoyed with her. I didn't. I know that she had reason to be scared and whatever was coming and whatever, whatever, whatever. But I enjoyed the strong and resourceful Selena. Um... What else was there? I enjoyed uh, Crazy Crane and uh, the dishing out of the sentences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was like the Mad Hatter's courtroom. So that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, the cleverness of the story with uh, who, went, who then became Rosal Ghul and then wasn't saved. Daughter, I enjoyed that. Huh? Are you talking about um? What's her name? Something with the M. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He became Rosalgo. He became the leader. Who? Because Rosalgo was an idea. My father. He wasn't initially there of the League of Shadows, but when he came to fight Batman uh-huh. and use that water dispenser thing, whatever. Yeah. He was technically the head of the League of Shadows, so he was Razor Oh, I, I so think that he was all the time. No, oh, remember okay. the other guy was at the beginning. Uh, I he was a placeholder. Remember that he was introduced to? Uh-huh. That he killed Razor Ghul and yeah, no. he was instructed to the kill. We'll have to chat about that another time so I can get clear on it. No, what I'm saying is he, he became de facto Razor Oh, okay. So she is now... Technically, it wasn't before, but now it's Rosal Gould's daughter. Okay. Um, that part was nice. I'm going to say something um, weird. Um, for me, time is not a factor. I enjoy talking about Batman. Um, the, the thing that I found weird about this movie, for me... I understand that it was a trilogy, they need to tie it off, I understand the having to rewrite and understand the business side of creating movies. Mm-hmm. I did not like the end of the movie. And it's not because Batman dies and Bruce lives happily ever after and then they make this fake cliffhanger of someone whose name is Robin potentially going there and taking over the mantle of Batman. Mm-hmm. I felt like that ending to me was messy. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie was excellent. And the ending for me took away from the rest of the movie. How would you have had, had them end it? I would have had, like they did in The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. which this is named after. Okay. That Batman goes underground and isn't Batman anymore, but he trains his replacement. So he goes to a more quiet life. Okay. With Selena, where he isn't actually Batman, okay. but he trains his replacement. So you would have had all those scenes, but then just the extra scene right at the end, where. I wouldn't have had that scene in France. But 
it was it was so I poetic. get I get why they did it and yeah. it was artsy and everything. Yeah. But for who Batman was? He did it for Alfred. No. Because he loves Alfred. Batman loves Gotham. He mm-hmm. does not love Alfred. What? He has a love for Alfred. Yeah. But he loves Gotham more. Yeah, but Gotham Gotham is a toxic cow. <laughs> He needs to rehab. And I'm not, I'm not, he's not going to stick not, around to see if, you, if she breaks him in. I'm not going to go. She broke him fully. I'm not going down that road. Just saying. Yes, okay. but I'm just saying that that's how I would have seen a better sunset for him, knowing that if something were to rise again, yeah, he has a replacement, sort of, that would be as invested in the city as he was. I know they de facto did it by sending that guy to the to go in via their entrance. Detective, yeah. But he taught him nothing. He knows nothing. Yeah, no. But it'll be like the same, like Kalal with his father. Uh, no. In the videos. No. Very um. wrong. So for me, that ending I didn't like. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, I like. I enjoyed ending. the rest of the movie. I thought it was very healthy. Um, that that Bruce finally made a healthy choice for himself. Um, it means that he fully worked through his issues and he was at a place where he could visualize a future for himself. So that was good. Okay. Penetability rating. Um, so for me, that, that end scene took away from stuff of the movie. Everything else, I think, played well. Like I said, Tom Hardy, excellent bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, to those different scenes the scene that another scene that I felt was interesting was the Commissioner Gordon scene mm-hmm. of explaining to Dick or Robin whatever his name was mm-hmm the two different views on how you have to work in Gotham. Okay. I hope you have a friend that is willing to... St- I hope you, you'll have a friend that will stick your hand... Stick, be willing to stick his hand <laughs> into <laughs> the stuff like he did with him to support him for this, this problem that he had. Okay. And you realize that even though Gotham is hobbling along, it still sort of deserves to be wiped out. And the way the guy acted that scene out, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed those pieces. Yeah. But yeah. So Gotham is a junkie and you agree. I know, how can I say they're a junkie? <laughs> Gotham is a junkie. Palatability, as always. Zero, not palatable, one watch again. One low palatability. It's in the background, but you'd switch it off. Two, average. You'd have it around as background noise. Three, medium palatability. Could rewatch a few times over a number of years. Four, highly palatable. Go into my collection. Go to movie. Oh, I would give this a three. Okay. You three, <laughs> why? Huh? No, why did you say two? Me. Yeah. Because I would watch it again if it was on. And I, was, I walked into the room, I'd sit down and watch it. But I'm not going to go physically and watch it. I may watch parts of it. Okay. But I'm not going to watch the whole movie. 
Well, that's why I say that uh, for me, this is medium palatability. Could rewatch a few times over a number of years, yeah, and would keep in circulation, but it's not my go-to. Mostly band scenes. Yeah. The thing about you, 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 what did you say about Doc? And the scripture power over me. That one, and, ah, you nearly embraced the Doc. I I was was born in it. Yeah, it's wonderful. (laughs) So, yeah, that is that for me. And let's look at our uh, next one. And last one. Oh, no, there's many others. There's the animated <laughs> series we're going to go through. There's a ton of stuff to go through for Batman. But let's just focus on, for now... Was this released on your birthday? That was so funny. Huh. It was your favourite movie of all time. Up to so far. Batman. Someone could someone could do better than... Could could upstage this movie. I challenge you to yeah, do that. I challenge you to do that. <laughs> Batman vs Superman. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice mm. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie But what do you think The the themes And that are For this movie It is New hero versus old hero um, At its core It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's an, a, a Young blood Who feels that he needs to do something to change the world and an old person who's sitting there thinking you can't be changed or tried mm-hmm. um, it's the themes are uh, xenophobia <laughs> um, mm-hmm. people who disrupt for the sake of disrupting sometimes but also I don't know Mm-hmm. I'm trying to describe what Lex does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to say that this Batman has been in Gotham for so long that Gotham has poisoned Batman. Yeah, he's got the he's got the junkie cancer now. <laughs> he before had a better segregation. Mm-hmm. And now he feels it's like he's once he's, he's one step away of executing what was in the Nolan verse the League of Shadows orders oh, of, of wiping out the city himself. He's doing it himself. He's like he's like one step away from sure, it. let him do it. <laughs> so we've we so in this one, Batman, again, because this is his life story, mm-hmm. he's not questioning whether he needs to be Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne is almost Batman all the time. Yeah. In fact, and we've said this before, it's almost as if Batman is the person and Bruce Wayne is the mask. Well, because he has to. It was always that, but he now he has to like mentally get himself. But now, to be Bruce Wayne. now he gets tired being Bruce Wayne and he gets energy being Batman. Yeah. Whereas previously he had to like, mm, Yeah, like Batman. himself up to be Batman. And so the scene that's telling is where he has to put on his suit and go to that gala thing yeah. at Lex's house. Yeah. And he stares at his other suit and he's like, 
why am I putting you away? Yeah. And he's like, hmm. So he has to come to terms with, with Batman maybe not being needed anymore. But then he is needed on a larger scale, he discovers. No, but that's... But he doesn't know it yet. But that's the thing, is that he's so poisoned by the city that the only person he can be is Batman. He can't be Bruce Wayne anymore. Yeah. Because that was an empty shell character anyway. And in the midst of this, um, he gets... He discovers that there's more threats than Dark Gotham. Mm -hmm. There are actually external threats from other worlds. Mm -hmm. And he's got bigger fish to fry. Mm. So whereas like Alfred makes the joke, not for lack of trying, Mm -hmm. even you've gotten too old to die young, not for lack of trying, he's now got a reason to stay alive. Yeah. Which he didn't have when he started. Well, yeah. like when you start the movie with him. So there's that uh, thread with what's going on with Batman. Um, Superman is not the main character in this one because it's about Batman. To me, it's about Batman. That's just Batman. It's Superman. a Batman movie featuring Superman. And yeah, Superman is still new Superman. Can't doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And he's all over the place and he's creating problems. And he's still trying to be what he thinks he should be, or what he thinks he established himself he to be. He still cares so deeply about what people think about right. him. So then there's that. And then there is a Lex in this one. Mm-hmm. And I'm phrasing it like that because people have their different opinions. And this is not an established Lex. Mm. Lex is established as a business person. Mm-hmm. But he's not established in terms of a villain. Mm -hmm. So this is his first outing on being a puppeteer. Yeah. And he's doing a very good job. Well, he's trying. Well, yeah. He's he's manipulating the Senate hearings. Yeah. He's manipulating Bruce Wayne and Batman. The problem is that at this stage, while he's still learning, he's very much involved. Yes. Whereas Alex, who's established... Can distance himself and can delegate. Exactly. And you don't even know that it's him pulling the string. They tried to do that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But he was just too vocal. <laughs> and like, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, don't ask that guy what happened. A little push. I did it. push there. <laughs> yeah. So he hasn't learned to be the, the silent one behind the scenes yet. Yeah. But he's still very young. Yes. And he has hair. And so... Um, we introduced to this Lex that is busy manipulating things. Yeah. And Lex doesn't have an identity problem. Yeah. Lex sort of has the problem that he has in the comics that people who are given gifts by God mm-hmm. and are looked at as gods are not gifted. Yeah. Because gifts are things that you work for. And he is gifted. Because he has learned and he has studied and he has built himself up to where he is now. Yeah. And someone to just be handed something and be revered, that is unfair. Yeah. And he believes, and uh, and we have this triangle. Of injustice. Well, we have this triangle of um, self-righteousness. Yeah. 
So Lex believes that he's doing the right thing mm-hmm. and he's going to save the world. Yeah. Superman believes he's going to do the right thing and, and he's he going to put you to save the world. And he was put you to save the world and instead of dealing with his own issues, he will focus his issues on Batman because he can't solve that the whole world is debating whether you should exist or not. Mm-hmm. But he can solve that Batman is beating up people in Gotham. So mm-hmm. he's focused the energy on Gotham. Mm-hmm. Batman with this crisis of faith, believes that he can redeem the struggles he is having in resetting Gotham by taking out this big threat, threat which mm-hmm. could wipe out the whole planet. Mm-hmm. And so we have these three um, self-righteous people mm-hmm. who are entangled. Yeah. And so that is an interesting uh, pot that is being stirred. We know that all three of them have damaged psyches. Mm-hmm. And one of the psyches is healed through this process mm-hmm. of this movie. Uh, we're obviously talking about the director's cut of this movie. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen the... We, have, we, well, we went to the cinema and watched that one and immediately when the other one was released we watched the extended version. Yeah. And so we're only talking about the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate edition of uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah. So, what do you think adds to or takes away from this movie? Um, I feel that I understand why they needed the scenes of Superman in the beginning to create texture and to show us that he's been he's been trying to do stuff. No wait, I'm mixing it up. I'm mixing up Man of Man of Steel. <laughs> oh wow. Um. I don't know. I'm tired now, aren't I? You can't be tired. This is the most recent one. I know, but I'm blanking. No, you can't be blanking. We've watched it so many times. Um, you too. <laughs> I think that um, there's a lot of things that be, could be looked at as unnecessary for this movie. But again, film studios, whatever, standalone movies, you need to give a context for everybody and everything. And you had to give the background for Batman, but not the background for Superman, because he's not the main character. So, the movie is long, but does not feel long when you're watching it. Mm. Because you initially, it takes a a little bit of time to get into it. But you're very quickly into the movie. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm back online. So I can't <laughs> say that this movie uh, is too long yeah. or too short. Because well, the, the, the theatrical version of this movie proved that if you cut out scenes from the movie, it's confusing. Yes. The longer version is well-paced and includes enough context for each scene. So it doesn't seem extraneous. Um, now I remember how this movie started. Starts in the desert, hey? Where Lois goes out to go and do a scoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. 
It didn't actually start there. It started with that video thing in the beginning of his parents getting shot in the funeral. Oh. And then of course. the metropolis scene and then the desert. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. The pearls. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that they all, they love to put in the movie. And it's Bruce's uh, origin story. We'll see the pearls go fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the scenes that I didn't like was when Lois got back to Metropolis <laughs> and she was busy trying to push the um, the bullets out of uh, the bullet out of her journal oh, and she yes. drops it in the water and I'm just like what kind of moron is this like she doesn't even dust it for prints or anything like that and she, I, I, I maybe maybe I'm stupid maybe they, they wouldn't have any prints on them or wouldn't be accessible or I just I don't know it just seems very strange to me and then when he comes in it's like there's some kind of weird time thing there. It's like, oh, did he just get back in? in? Like, did she come home on a flight? Did he, <laughs> does it take him as long to fly back as it does for her to come on a flight? Couldn't he have done the shopping before she got there? If he's that fast, why can't he take his clothes off? It just seems very strange to me, that whole scene. I don't, I don't get it. I know somebody who's probably more intelligent than me can explain it to me one day. But to me, it's a scene that irritates me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, um, I get the amputee tie-in story. But something feels weird about that amputee tie-in story. And it's got nothing to do with the stuff that happened on the side of the pond and how the guy was dressed up in that suit it's just I know that guy's whole purpose was to be a distraction and to bring the chair into the air yeah like I, I get or bring the bomb into the air but it was also to show people how evil Lex is no no because I he could create hope in somebody just to kill them <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He did that to Mercy as well. Yeah. Keep my cheerful. I mean, that's insane. Like, he did that to his... Like, it's supposed to be assistant. So, I just... Yeah, there's something that is... Every time I watch it, I just... That scene feels the same to me. I don't know what it is. There must be a word for it in the movie verse. Mm -hmm. As the penguin coming out of the sewer. Mm -hmm. And Jack Nicholson die, uh, Joker dying at the end. Mm -hmm. I that arc uh, is just that whole Wally arc is just. Uh, I get it, and I can see all the pieces. I understand it, mm -hmm. but the feeling it gives me is not a comfortable fits in with the rest of the movie feeling. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. Um, that's that thing. I really enjoy this version of the Batmobile. Oh, yes. I like that it's muted again, so it can be stealthy, and mm -hmm. it hasn't got any lights. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the Nolan bus had lights. I'm just saying, compared to the Schumacher bus, um, 
I like this version of Batman because yeah um I was watching this uh thing with uh, Ronnie Coleman the bodybuilder and he was watching it where Ronnie Coleman was on he wasn't sitting next to him and watching and then I was thinking of the stuff that you watched with Kai Green and um when you, they show them at different ages, because they were consistently training throughout the years, they, over the years, built more and more muscle, mm -hmm. and they got bigger over time. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a magic drug, and then they got bigger. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand a Batman that keeps training and working at being Batman, and he's dedicated to Batman, almost like a bodybuilder is dedicated to being a bodybuilder. Yeah. So he wants to build himself up. He wants to recover he, and go back out. And it's going to be years of muscle over squat tissue. Right. And so... That's where you get Bruiser Batman. So he's going to be a little bit bulky, yeah. but still fast. Yeah. Whereas the other incarnations of Batman over time has been that he's been... Lean. This lean yoga master. Yeah. Maybe he's got a bit of muscle on him. But he's a lean yoga master Batman. So I can understand that being the younger Batman. Yeah. And this one I get as being the older Batman because he's been doing it for a number of years. Yeah. And he's stronger. His fights are shorter with criminals, whereas before he may have been mm. petty petty with it. Tactical, now he's just being rough. Now he's just yeah. literally throwing them into the wall and they break the wall. Yeah. So I enjoyed that um, for me uh, over time seeing that it makes sense that this Batman exists now mm. because he sort of fits in with all the other Batman movies since the 80s. Yeah. Because he's lived through all of that and the darkness of Gotham. Mm -hmm. And he's got the scars on his body, but he's also built up in terms of... His physical presence. Yes. Yeah. So... He's, he, he would be scarier now to criminals than when he first started. Oh, yeah. I also think in that vein, like, the use of certain tactics, like when Alfred dropped him off on the second floor so that he could get the guys on the third floor, uh, it's kind of like a nod to the to the Nolan one where the people that he was supposed to be rescuing were on the floor below where they looked like they were. Do you remember? Are you talking about in the building yes. with the dark net? Yes, where they were dressed uh, like the, the, the victims. The wrong people were dressed up as the... Yes, so it was like he learns from things and so does Alfred because he's with him all the time. He won't put him on the same floor. Yeah, so he, 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 he'll, use the, he'll use practice tactics. Mm. And that must be very terrifying because this is a man that is used to just damaging things. Yeah. Um, uh, we have to talk about a particular scene but I'll get there um, I know you've said this many times I don't know what the story demanded mm -hmm. and this movie made Lois Lane more of a throwaway character mm. and I'm not sure if that was part of the like if her being a different personality would have harmed the movie or not because there were aspects of her yes she was fighting for a story 
she wanted to figure out where the bullet came from. They said, oh, you know, like she has some bit of naivety because she wants the right thing to happen and the right news to come out and stuff like that. So she was surprised that someone would I'm test okay things with her like in that. this movie. But it's it's when she gets to Justice League that I'm not okay with that. <laughs> no, but I think in this one she's okay. I think that the, the reason that they did that was they had to show that even Clark is getting to a place where he sees her humanness and it, yeah. it makes his alienness feel like there's like it puts more distance between him. But for me, the maybe part of the issue I have is if, because of my perspective, him and her are a couple, mm-hmm. and they're a couple who doesn't talk about real things. No, and maybe, why would you? And maybe in that world... You know it's temporary. Everybody they knows it's temporary. No, I'm, just, I'm saying, everyone in that world, in the way it's written, maybe that's the way it's meant to be. Uh-huh. And like in the comics, they don't go in depth. But everything else was real, and their relationship seems fake. Like, the discussion that they had of... Um, uh, in that little bath scene about, I don't know if you can be yeah. you and love me. Yeah, and that was, that, right? that was not a good line. Um, Another reason why I hate that scene. Um, that's, they didn't have a real discussion. No. They left stuff undis- like, undoubted. I, 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 but I think that that's part of it, is that they can't... No, but this is what... If they could, they break up. No, this is what I want to get to, that mm-hmm. is my issue. Then... Um, when he says to her, you're digging up snakes, love? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, she looks at him, like, and then she goes. Mm-hmm. And then they get to, um, he flies down, and he says, i got to go to Gotham. I'm going to kill him. No one stays good in this world. And then he flies off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are not real conversations. Oh, right. For a couple. <laughs> they have a relationship mm-hmm. where they exist in silos. Mm. Right. And they operate independently of each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a new relationship, a young relationship, whatever. But because of that, it makes her character a throwaway character. Yeah. Because doesn't seem like they've put down roots in each other yet. Yes. So, if he dies, he dies. If she dies, she dies. But that's Is it the really his world? Exactly. He, he cannot, she cannot be his world <laughs> at that point in the relationship. So, I, I just felt like, for me, that was a, lo- that was a loose end. It was corny. So, um, let's get to the other loose end. Yeah. Martha. Oh, the Martha, Martha scene. Uh, the infamous Martha scene. Okay. Um, one, before I watched this movie years ago, I did not know that Clark Kent from Smallville and Bruce Wayne from Gotham, so mothers, had the same name. I didn't even know it existed in the comics. 
I did not, it never came up in the animated series of Batman. It may have been on a tombstone that they flashed over quickly. Never saw it before. Okay. So, until this movie, I didn't know they had the same name. Trust me. Um, even though I saw the name throughout the movie, mm-hmm. as someone who was watching the movie, when Batman asked him, why did you say that name? And looked around. And looked around. I was sitting in my chair watching the movie and I was like, yeah, yeah why did you say that name? And then Lois actually helped me by saying it's the name of his mother. And I'm like, oh my goodness, these two people have the same, mothers have the same name. And <laughs> I was watching the movie and that threw me. Yeah. So... Because that happened to me, I could understand that damaged and fractured Batman Mm -hmm. who is living with the trauma of his childhood, who is acting out his resolve for believing that this, this city that is poisonous took away a life, like has given him the burden of Batman Mm -hmm. and taken away the life that he could have had mm-hmm. and it's his duty to help the city so that nobody else does it but he's still hiding harboring resentment for the city for having done that to him yeah. and so he's taking it out on the criminals yeah. when somebody who is his who he sees as a threat says his mother's name as not human let's put it there he, he sees this thing as a dangerous not like, human thing what is going on here? Who has set me up? Yeah. And how are it's you connected to my him. mother? Yes. Yeah. So, that for me, as weird as I thought other scenes were, mm-hmm. because that scene confused me in the split second when I had it and got clarified a second after, mm-hmm. the scene made sense. You mean the, the, the fact that he changed his head makes sense? <laughs> no, the, everything that happened in that scene made yeah. sense to me. I understand how the internet was confused. Okay. But because I was confused in that moment, yeah. I could understand the confusion that happened there and him turning around and like, Is the, am I being punked? <laughs> but what do you think about his his like, his immediate 180 as soon as Lois said to him uh, that's his mother's name and then he backed off and then suddenly he was his friend after he understood he took a moment to listen to what's <laughs> going on here then he was like okay I'll go get her um, and then he said I'm a friend of your son's um, what do you think about that 180 I think that it showed how cracked he was <laughs> yeah. He'd become Gotham so badly that he shared the hate that Gotham, Gotham shared. The evil had seeped into him. But there, there was still that little thing that he had of empathy, of hope. Uh-huh. That was the thing that was supposed to segregate him from the peop- from the villains. Oh, okay. Like, think of it as you have these different pillars in a house. Uh-huh. And that pillar was broken. Yeah. So with his slanted view on things, yeah. um, 
he was going about his business and somehow hearing that his mother's name mm -hmm. and that this person has a mother on earth mm -hmm. like snapped that pillar back into place and he processed things completely differently mm -hmm. in that moment because like Lex said uh, a rage has been building over so many years a little note chair, a little thing there you let your family die mm -hmm. right there was a lot of psychological work that he put into Bruce Wayne and Batman yeah. And something just snapped into place for him. And that happens for people for different reasons. Somebody could be about to punch somebody. Mm -hmm. And they have this childhood thing about maybe cats or dogs or something. Mm -hmm. And a dog could walk by and they mm -hmm. catch the dog out the corner of the eye and they're like... Uh, oh, it gives them ah, I don't want to be involved in this and they walk off. Yeah. It's just... What what is your trigger? Okay, so his trigger was his mother and the trauma that the trauma of the death. That yeah, okay. Because he remembers his father saying, "His the last thing he has, Say the Martha. last thing he remembers his father saying is his mother's name." Mm. And that's his me that's his memory of that moment. See, I I have come we watched that movie a lot of times, right? <laughs> and okay. When he says, save Martha, when, when Kalal says, save Martha to Bruce, Bruce has been having like hallucinations. He doesn't know if they're real or not. He's been getting glimpses of the future and meeting people through the computer. So he knows these people with special powers that exist mm -hmm. in the world. I don't know whether in that split second, Bruce was like, there's an opportunity for me to save Martha. <laughs> Like someone who has got time travel hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Anyway. That's, just, that's, that's one way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> just a weird thought to run out there. Nothing's impossible. Mm. What are you talking about? Where is that? Exactly. Yeah, so to me, the Martha scene is not an issue. Mm hmm. It's not silly. You have to have been emotionally invested in the movie and the characters to build up to that point. Mm. To know that because you also want that climax. Mm. And then in the second that the person snaps out of that climax, you also in shock like, what happened? Yeah, it's like is nobody going to sort this out now? Yeah, is it over? And they were like, oh, redirect your anger to Lex. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that to me was, yeah, I enjoyed that scene. Yeah. Something that I didn't enjoy so much, mm -hmm. and I don't know how to phrase this because I know it was an intricate part of the movie, because I've watched this movie... I'd say a few times mm -hmm. since it was released. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know that they couldn't end it after he snaps out of his Martha moment. Mm -hmm. And 
I know the movie needed to end. And there's probably a director's cut plus mm-hmm. version of this movie mm-hmm. with unfinished CGI. Knowing uh, that Snyder makes like a five hour movie and then narrows it down to the two hour, yeah. 45 minutes. I think that the battle with um, Doomsday. Doomsday was too short. I think it was too long. I think it was okay. I feel like there should have been either a Doomsday movie or a battle with Batman movie. I feel like shoving them both into the same well, movie. Well, I think that it. the way that they. That's what I'm saying. The way that Martha and that scene ended, mm-hmm. you had to continue to what the next piece was. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't had that, they could have made it completely different. Okay. But I. I, I I get it had to go to something, but for the reason why I say that Doomsday scene was too um, short was in the uh, what's it? Not Death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman Doomsday. Oh yes. Where Doomsday is unearthed, we had that Lex unearthed Doomsday even in this one. Mm-hmm. Doomsday was unearthed. Then he uh, was wreaking havoc on biological life. Did that, yeah. I didn't get the... I didn't get the sense that Superman was losing against Doomsday. You know, like, in that uh, Superman uh, Doomsday thing... You saw him bleeding. Mm-hmm. You saw him breathing heavy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm not going to defeat this thing. Mm-hmm. And, he, and then she he, he picked he up that him. child and then he launched into space. And this was like, this is my last ditch effort to do this. Yes, but that's the thing. And they couldn't, because they, because they knew that that's what the fans were expecting. So. He did it first. <laughs> I'm going to, yes. No, no, I'm not, I'm saying whatever the last ditch effort was to end it. Yeah. So, I'm I'm assuming that Superman was still weakened, like he hadn't recovered from his um, Kryptonian uh, Kryptonite exposure with the fight with Batman, mm. because the scar was still on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be that, like he was. So he was already he was already weak. Yeah. And he wasn't going to battle this thing. Yeah. But when he flew to the sun, the squad disappeared. Yeah, so he should have been fully rejuvenated. Right. Yeah, but then the thing was up there with him. No, the thing was already down. It didn't go into the sun. He was in the sun. That thing was down on Earth getting bigger. Oh, yeah. From the nuclear attack. So then he goes back down. And he... Um, is in the, in the midst of the fight... And then he asks him, uh, have you got the spear? He says, I've been a little busy. And then, who's this? Who's she? Is she with you? No, I thought she was with me. Oh, the the introduction of Diana. Yes, and then they have their fight. Yeah. And then he's about to go down and continue the fight. You know, you know that that irritates me. You've got three poses (laughs) in this movie. They're all the same. And then he has to go pull Lois out of the water. Yeah. And rubber face like You're so dumb. <laughs> and then jump into the water. <laughs> and get, then, like, get the spear. That second 
time when she takes the spear away from him after he gets out the water and then flings it again. Yes. I wish I could take her and fling her. I can't. And then he's like, you are my world. This is my world. You are my world. She's like, no, Clark, no. And then he goes. Right. So, Uh, if it wasn't Doomsday. Yeah. Right. And there was something else that he could have sacrificed himself for. Uh-huh. Um, I think it would have sat better for me. Yeah. And it didn't need to be a fantastic big beast because Diana could have fought something else as well. Yeah. That was a formidable, formidable, formidable opponent. Oh wow. Um, <sighs> I just think that using. Something about that old doomsday sequence was, at that stage, like, I was already emotionally spent on the Martha moment. Mm -hmm. And you were, like, beating, and then I got a little excited for the Batman moment, Mm -hmm. when you went to save the mother. Mm -hmm. And now you're beating me up again. Um, (laughs) Like, the roller coaster in that area was, like, a bit much for me. Like, I couldn't get as invested in that end piece. Yeah, it was like you're tired already, and now why, what is all this dramatic music happening here yeah. again? And, and you know, this epic of... thing, and oh, okay, he died. Like, oh. Like, that was sad, though, the first time I watched it, and I was like, I know that he's not dead because I I know in animated movies and mm. stuff like that, he, goes, he comes back, but it was That's a, sad. It's like the roller coaster was too much at the end. Yeah. So it was like all over the place. Yeah. So. And then the funeral. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was good. I've watched the movie several times. Several makes it sound like seven when it's actually probably once a week for about four four years. No. Once a month. Once a month. Now these days, once a month. But. So well, how many times do you think I've watched it since it was released? Oh. At least thirty thirty times. Thirty times, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. There's a lot going on in that movie. Hmm. So, what I will say is, the feeling that I got when I watched the nineteen eighty nine Batman, when the wings opened, and Batman came through that steam on the roof. Mm-hmm. I had the exact same feeling when they showed the first scene and Batman was in the top corner of that room. Oh yes. And then you and you went out? Yes. I it was the first time that over all the years yeah. since nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. And now I'm a lot older, where I got exactly the same feeling of oh my goodness, yeah. that's Batman. Yeah. And the thrill of seeing it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's it's just that like <gasps> feeling. And so, I like that in this one, you, you kind of get a sense of. I mean, you feel like you're a good guy, so you shouldn't fear Batman. But seeing something in the corner of a room, it's indistinguishable. It's just this dark mass mm. in a dark room. 
you can kind of get a sense of, oh, that's something creepy. Yes. Um, which I didn't get from any of the other Batman yeah. movies. So, that's that whole instilling fear thing yeah. that he had. That we had presence. Yeah. That was the one, and obviously, everybody loves that we have seen where he comes through the floor. I like the scene in the beginning where we're in the house and the police go down and there's all those women in the cage and they say, and he's, they're like, yeah, we're here to rescue you. And they're like, no, the demon's still here. <laughs> <laughs> the demon saved us. Yeah, he's the up there. He's up there. And we're not coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, for me, because it was a Batman movie, I enjoyed he, that opening scene that he was in. I enjoyed... He's um, coming up through the floor. Yeah, and the homage um, shots, <coughs> like the, the well, yeah, the comic. Yes, well, during iconic the, co- comic shots. During the doomsday fight, he's up against the wall and yeah, posing and then, but, um, but strangely, I there was that whole fight sequence that was what it was. I really enjoyed. The scene where he had Superman over his shoulder and threw him onto the floor uh, and then zipped down and then tied around his leg. Yeah. And then definitely took a walk around and then threw him around. Like, I know the whole thing was planned because even if you think about. Um, where he put the. Yeah, like the. The, yeah, the Dark Knight Returns where he planned. For where Oliver would fire that yeah. kryptonite arrow. Yeah. And then burst in his face over there. That yeah. he was going to bring the fight all the way to that point. Yeah. And then fire the arrow at that moment. Yeah. The fact that he knew that he was going to fight this guy from there all the way across here. Finally swing him around here. Throw him across there and then pick up the spear. And it worked out the way he planned. Mm-hmm. To me, that brought out everything that Batman is. Yeah. He planned for that eventuality. Crazy. And he got to genius, man. And he got to it. So this movie reignited really the enjoyment for Batman. Yeah. So that's what I enjoy about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I have to give this movie a palatability rating, I cannot give it a rating other than a four. If I had higher figures, I would give it higher <laughs> figures. He really would. So, um, when you say the score, just say what it means. So I'm just going to give it a four because it's highly palatable, would go into my collection and rewatch with enthusiasm. It's a go-to movie and that's what it is for me. I'm going to give it a three. Mm-hmm. It's a medium pal- palatability. I could rewatch it a few times over a number of years. Um, and I would keep it in circulation, but it's not my go-to movie, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, that is the last that we have currently available. We are not going, uh, Justice League. Yeah, we'll wait for was the real not, one. Yes, and this version of it, yeah. from what we can see, is not a Batman movie. Yeah. Maybe the next one will be a Batman movie, and then we'll discuss that. But up until now, in 2020, uh, this is the last cinematic Batman movie. 
um, won't go into the comic book series because the animated stuff, I think, does Batman justice. They tried different things when they went with Batman Beyond. But Batman, the animated series, is still like the pinnacle of who Batman is. It's interesting to see how Batman's portrayed in uh, the Harley Quinn series currently. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting character. I like him. Um, then there is Batman across all of the DC movies since the early 90s, the animated, intermingled with the Justice League ones all the way till the end of this year. Uh, what's it? Mask of the Phantasm, Under the Red Hood, uh, Batman, Superman, Public Enemies, Oof, Son of Batman. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness, there's a ton of them. Batman Hash, uh, Gap, Bat- uh, Batman by, by Gaslight, which is my favourite anime. Um, <laughs> oh. uh, there's the Batman and Dracula. <laughs> there's, <laughs> um, sure, there's a lot of Batman ones, but the consistent thing for me is that Batman is the world's greatest detective, and because he's such a great detective, he's an excellent fighter. Mm-hmm. Because he does his homework. So, uh, so I just think that overall, um, for me, the best DC character and the most layered DC character, because he's so damaged, mm-hmm. is Batman. So, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Batman is DC. DC is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you for listening to this ramble we yeah. hope you've enjoyed it um yeah and if you want to put yourself through this abuse on a weekly <laughs> monthly quarterly or yearly basis we haven't decided yet yeah just join us for another one <laughs> and hit subscribe so that you know when another one's gonna pop up yeah say bye goodbye <laughs>